0: Hello everyone and welcome to another Learning Rebels Coffee Chat where all the cool LD peeps hang out. Here we discuss ideas, experiences and share our stories about LND specific topics. I'm Shannon Tipton owner of Learning Rebels, where we strategically fix training that's broken and develop workplace learning that delivers desired business results. Today, the cool kids are sharing their thoughts and ideas about bridging the business communication gap. But first to do so, let's discuss communication. What is effective communication? Effective communication means to ensure that the receiver receives the message exactly as the sender intended. Not the easiest thing to do, even in the best of times. And in the show notes below, you will find an article by Deborah Tenen Who Gets Heard and Why? It's an excellent read, and while the focus is on gender, and how we are nurtured into certain linguistic styles, my thought automatically went to how does LD communicate with the business? Because LD is not only an industry, it's a culture. And culturally, we are programmed to act in the supporting role within organizations. So, does our method of communicating through taking a softer approach? lead us to bigger disadvantages words matter phrases matter the way we ask questions matter and as Ms. Tennant states communication isn't as simple as saying what you mean how you say what you mean is crucial and differs from one person to the next because using language is learned social behavior how we talk and listen are deeply influenced by cultural experiences. So the big question on the table today is, what strategies can l and professionals employ to enhance cross-departmental communications and put us on a more even playing field with the business? So without further ado, let's get to it. So our topic today, bridging conversation gaps between business departments. And in the article that I placed in the email that I sent out a couple of weeks ago, as well as last week, there was a really great article written by Deborah Tannen about who gets heard and why. And it was primarily about... Not just the generations, but also between the sexes you know, male, female, etc cetera, and how we interact and how we talk to each other. And that was so interesting to me to hear about the different linguistic styles that we all have and the conversation of communication between nature and nurture you know, how women are brought up, how men are brought up, and how women interact with their groups and how men interact with their groups. To me, that was a really interesting piece that she wrote, which got me to thinking, how is it that L&D communicates with the business? Because L&D is a culture in of itself, you know, and how we talk to each other, because we've got a lot of learning geek that flows amongst the groups, right? And it's beyond learning geek. For me, we've always positioned L&D as a support mechanism, right? So we support the business. Therefore, our language is very supportive, and the way we behave is very supportive. And how is that affecting how we talk to and across Business units, departments, with leaders, how are we positioning ourselves? So, I wanted to have this conversation with you all today. So, I'm going to open this up. And those of you who are new, this is a, a hashtag no rules because we are learning rubbles, right? We do have rules to a certain extent, but we don't play on ceremony. Let's just sit that. So, if you want to be on camera, be on camera. If you don't or can't, that's okay too. But we fully encourage you to open up your mics and join the conversation as much as you can or participate in the chat. And so that being said, I would love to hear your thoughts around, not the article, if you haven't read it, that's okay, it's not pre-work, how we communicate across departments and is our l culture and the language that we are using, is that putting us on the back foot? So that's what I would like to learn or get from you all today. So who would like to kick off this conversation?
1: I think that I've found difficulty. And when I am trying to move towards a more performance objectives, measuring performance, looking for that, whether it worked or not. And I think people are finding this surprising because they're not used to this. This is not the order taker question why are you asking me this? These people need to be trained on this. Go make this training and go put it out. And I'm asking, well, how do we know that it worked? Can you give me reports? I've yet to get a report, by the way. I keep asking, but I have yet to get a report because we don't have time for those kind of reports. We have time to create hours of training and spend, you know, hundreds of hours on, if somebody takes 15 minutes to take the training or 10 minutes to take the training time 426 salespeople, right? Like we have time to do that, but we don't have time to figure out if it worked. And so I think, you know, when you up your conversation to be more strategic partnerships, to be a lot of companies don't seem to be ready for that. And it's surprising. Like they don't want us to play that role. They want us to stay in our lane, which is the lane that gets us to no seat at the table. Right. Right. So
0: do you think that we're our own worst enemy?
1: We can be, because we continue to take the orders and try to survive. I mean, I think that we need to find those advocates in the company that, that can see the light. And it's hard to find them. I've been disappointed at every company I've ever worked at. So, but I listen to podcasts and I know that other companies are doing fine with this. So <laughs> So, yes, we can be our worst enemies, but if we get beat down, if we never ask those questions, then we'll never change. It will never change. So I think we're bringing up business questions, strategic strategy questions, performance questions, and they want us to play the give us pretty PowerPoint slide game. And that's a great point. Here's where I would like to take that
0: point is... How is it, are we communicating those questions? You know, what does that process look like? Let me give you an example. A lot of times when we want to get in front of a leader and we want to ask them those particular sorts of questions, we might send an email that asks them for time, right? So we'll send an email saying, if you have time, I would like to ask you a couple of questions, but only if you have time and it will only take 15 minutes And if you don't mind, and so we put around this whole buffer of language that then makes what we are asking for less important. So how are we using language to our disadvantage?
1: I can see that. Yes.
0: Any other, who else has some thoughts about this? I
2: um and have encountered this plenty, uh, depending on which stakeholder I'm working with. some I feel like you have to kind of gauge um, you know whether you're going to be able to convince them or not. you know, do a little bit of research and. and sometimes it's just like you know, if you could build that relationship, maybe at in the beginning, you're delivering that pretty PowerPoint but maybe you're adding you know, some interactivity or, or, or something to the end of it that's a little bit can kind of make your case for you. I had at one of my old companies, I had a senior director. Uh, I worked in talent dev. She would be in the initial stakeholder meeting and she would kind of do what I, I sort of giggled at in the beginning, like this sort of sales pitch of like what we do and and have you ever worked with an instructional designer before? And this is how Mia's is going to work with you. And, you know, it's not like an order taker, not a drive through and, and we deliver, you know, she's going to interact with you. And because she had more of a relationship with the higher executives, she kind of set me up for success. You know, she's kind of like, this may not be something you've experienced before, but you could trust her to get the results you need. And, I kind of found uh, in my most recent position, like, I wish I had that person a little bit more because I realize now in hindsight how helpful she was.
0: I believe you raise a great point that you need that advocate. You need that champion to be able to connect the dots between you and leadership. And I use the term leadership loosely I mean, maybe like in air quotes, because really anyone can affect what L&D does. You know, so you middle managers, you know, team leaders. And we've had this conversation before about culture eating strategy for breakfast, right? And the people who own the culture, typically middle management, they impact, they maybe not own it, but they impact it and influence it. And so maybe our concentration is too high up the ladder so we're worried about that seat at the table and maybe that's not where our worry or concern needs to be you know it's not the seat at the cxo table it's the seat at the lunch table with all of the team supervisors and then again i'll go back to what language then are we using how are we and i loved it who who said it who said it? Lois said it. Wimpy language. Are we using wimpy language? That was like, I ain't using no wimpy language. Talk to me then about the language that you're using.
3: Yeah, lots of times I get asked to reel it back, meaning, hey, go a little softer. It's like, I don't have time sometimes for soft. If I get that moment, you got to know what you got to say. I know we're not salespeople per se, but we have a product that we're selling ultimately. And our elevator speech has to be ready to roll, regardless whether it's a, why do we matter? Why do we need to do this? What's in it for you, right? All of the things that we think about for our participants, our students, the people that we are developing or training applies the same place. Our messages that we try to help craft with subject matter experts, well, in this case, we're the subject matter experts. So are we using terminology that we, like this, right, blooms taxonomy, and somebody goes, oh, a what letter? <laughs> to boil it down, is we've got to take some of our own advice to a degree, and I posted something in the chat. It's like, what are we defining as success? I agree with Kelly. Sadly, there's still that culture of we're taking orders and I just want a training because that's what I think is the right thing. Well, so what's the little thing that we can do that shows them hmm, there's a little extra behind this. And then if they go, Oh, Hey, that's pretty good. You think that's good. Psh, let's have a chat. And I can really show you what we can do to really move the needle in the way you want to go. Right. And take full advantage of those windows, whether they're big ones or just little, little pebble size. Right. There's always right. a way to to expand it from there.
0: How do we reach other departments when we don't have either a, a thread to pull? So a lot of times, like a sales department will have their own training subject matter experts. The training department sits somewhere else. The organizational training department sits somewhere else. Or maybe you don't have a line of sight to another department that's within your organization. How are we going to communicate with them? How do we continue to build those relationships? Because this is where I want to have the conversation. Because I think that we're all pointed in the right direction as far as we're, we're all speaking to the choir here around being able to articulate who we are, what we do. We are assets to the organization in that, you know, if the if only the organization would take advantage of, we would make great business partners. So this is all something that I believe that we're speaking to the choir about. I want to go back. So I see you, Claudia. I want to go back. Let's talk about the how, you know, and so how are we handling that
4: conversation? How are we handling those relationships, Claudia? I think it varies from organization to organization. I My career is primarily in higher education, and I'm married to somebody who works in the private sector. They're very data-driven. So that's, you know, one way, absolutely everywhere I go, I carry my data with me to maybe demonstrate success. Now you were speaking earlier about middle management and not using wimpy language and stuff, but to me, it's all about the context. And one way that I get around, like really reading the room, reading the culture, reading the environment. But one way I get around that issue of how do we get through is um, through collaboration, like to the next level. So building in a private sector, it would be called employee resource groups. In my sector, it's called shared governance. So getting a group of people from all over your institution or your corporation and just working on a project together. And I do that with everything because that helps kind of build momentum for things and it helps people have like skin in the game. So for example, if when I was building a leadership academy for a specific group of people, I called out everybody, like managers and people. And I said, hey, we're forming this group for this level of individuals and I need some feedback. So we worked together for weeks to kind of talk about the need, develop the content, you know, all of it. And then um, once it was done, I worked really hard to promote these individuals and then include them as presenters or whatever, or guest lectures, whatever. And it really has helped me. Now that may not work somewhere else, but that's what works for me. I've seen it in the private sector. So that may be one little crumb, I guess. (laughs) So how are we changing the language
0: around relationship building within our organizations? And Claudia, you make a great point. Data has its own language. So are we talking the right data points? Are we talking about the right data points? Are we doing this in such a way where people have no choice but to listen to us? And that could be, again, anyone within the organization, team leads, supervisors, et cetera, right?
5: Meghita? From my experience, I think it's related to accountability of the different stakeholders in terms of the success of the learning, more than they thinking of us as order takers. Because I think we reached a stage where they know our importance, they know our impact. They are seeking our help in building whatever learning they need. What worked with me is, like Claudia mentioned, bringing different stakeholders who are responsible for the learner, and form a team. And and what works with me is I always say, we're in this together. Meaning, although I have certain accountabilities in in the success of what I developed, for you, you have accountability for post-training and how you support the learners and how you need to inform us of what's working, what's not, so we can maybe do a certain intervention. So I think this teamwork and openness um, might help. Maybe the language also needs to be updated, but it's different between different organizations. Like it's different when you're in consulting, client-facing. You're brought to to, to create a solution. I think there will be less resistance towards that compared to being a part of an L&D in an organization. So that's, from my experience, what worked.
0: Yes, thank you for that. And I like, I like what you're saying there about really understanding who you're up against and how you're going to talk to each one of those departments in a different way. So it really is, and Douglas and I, I did put this in the chat before he left, it is about knowing who your audience is. Thank you for sharing that.
6: Deb, hi.
0: Hi.
6: So another tactic that I've used is flipping the table and involving them in my process right? We're always talking about having a seat at their table. I think it's also important for them to have a seat at our table and really understand the science behind what we do and how we use the information that they provide in meetings and in strategy sessions and how we integrate that into content, into, you know, just the development of their own people, So that has been a tactic that's really worked for me is just saying, hey, I want to invite you to Mahita's point to collaborate, right? And it really gives them a new perspective of what it takes to do what we do. And I think they start to say, hey, maybe you can be included in this meeting, that meeting, because um, I saw what you did there. And that's worked for me.
0: Lead by example, right? Role model the behaviors. Also, another point that you had made, which goes along with the previous points, which is about changing how we talk about things. So, again, if we go back and, you know, I like the term wimpy language, although it's, you know, wimpy always has a bad connotation to it, but it's more, you know, it's soft language that we're using. So, when we use terms like, oh, let's all get together and collaborate, right? And leaders and managers, they hear, Well, let's all get together and just talk. And they're like, I don't have time for that. You know, And so changing the language around how we submit ideas like you like Claudia. So I work for an organization and they use like a pack committees. So PAC action committees was their idea of getting people together to collaborate. I can't use that word because that's not going to go. So I have to say, let's get the PAC together and see what they have to say. And then everybody was on board with that. In essence, you were asking them to collaborate, but in a stronger way, in a vocabulary that resonates more. So what other examples do you have now? um, Yes. Team building is another word that seems to set off, I don't PTSD, I guess, for a lot of for a lot of leaders because they've been to far too many ropes course exercises that don't mean anything. You know, what is some of the other language that we can use? So hi Sherry. Haven't seen you in a while. Thank you for that comment. And Sherry, I start with, I need your help on, to choke their ego, I need your expertise. And there is that too. What I'm wondering once again is when we say, I need your help, are we putting ourselves on the back foot again? Is there a way where we can be more assertive in the language that we use? do we need to be more assertive in the language that we use in order to build that business partnership?
2: I oftentimes try to position myself as a performance consultant. And I definitely am starting with the metrics and using that corporate language, uh, helping you move the needle on those metrics, kind of speaking in their language. I, I try not to speak in, you know, learning objectives or whatever. You're right. I think uh, LD has a little bit of a PR issue, and that you sometimes just encounter people that are like, anybody can do that. It's just PowerPointing, you know, and that's kind of how they see uh, the LD professionals, you know, versus, no, we could actually help you improve performance and improve, you know, your company's, you know, whether, whether it's sales or whatever, there, uh, you know, impact those
0: metrics. Absolutely. And then also, it's about how we're framing that conversation. Is it it contextual? You know, so how we handle the conversation.
2: Yeah,
0: it can be tricky.
2: I've had mixed
0: success. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Maybe it's just a exercise of shifting or reframing the conversations that we have. I'm okay with us saying, you know, I need your help. And there was some conversation about that in the chat about, yeah, there is some psychology about asking people for their help and for their assistance. Is there another way that we can say the same thing that makes us a stronger partner in that conversation? And I used to use the term, help me understand. I need help understanding why we do X, Y, Z or why something is happening. I need you to help me understand that. I feel like it's the same thing as asking, I need your help, but maybe a slightly different twist to make it feel as though we're on the same level when we talk.
5: Yeah, I I asked the question in terms of information. I still need more information regarding X, Y, Z. Uh, it could be for realistic scenarios to create the uh, effective learning per group. So frame it with that context. I usually, when I send an email, an invite, I specify what the discussion points are going to be so they know and they might prepare or bring someone with them to share that information. That helps.
0: Exactly. I like what's happening in the chat right now. You all are reframing questions into statements, which is great. That's exactly the direction that I was hoping to see this conversation go in. You know, questions are okay. But when we become, you know, that squeaky wheel, then people start to avoid us. So then, Louis, I'd like to learn more about your challenges. Tell me more about this particular challenge. Your salespeople seem to have trouble with this new product line. What in particular is their challenge? You know, so it's a a stronger way of reaching across departments.
4: You're making such a good point, Shannon. I, I love the idea of like, actually you're kind of reframing things for me so that I need your help could be seen as like wimpy language. And then that point that you made about putting yourself at the level of leadership. That's great. That's like really, I just didn't really think about that. And it's funny because when you're saying this stuff and when I'm hearing and reading the chat, I actually attended a meeting recently and the guy that was leading the meeting kept saying, You're all experts here. And, you know, like thinking over and over and over again and just mentioning like, You're experts, you're experts. So, I mean, at some point, he was almost sounding like he didn't know what he was doing. I know he was being complimentary and things. And I actually, the reason I noticed it is because I do that too. And I am grateful that, you know, at some point, you know, our language, how we communicate may come across as though, you know, fill in the blank, not positively, as wimpy. Right. Sometimes it's cringy.
1: It's like too subservient. And I do think that we are experts at what we do. We probably not attending this unless we are pretty darn good at what we do. And I do think, Shannon, that sometimes we don't take credit for our, our work and come from a place of confidence. I found experts to be great at the subject knowledge, you know, they're subject matter experts, but they cannot explain to people who don't understand that they, like, they just get lost. It just gets in the details. Right. And so I do think that's like, I need your help to create better, more effective training that I put that in the chat is focusing on the effectiveness of the training. Because mm-hmm. I think most people will agree that you don't want to do ineffective training, which we were all forced to do, but, you know, <laughs> wink, wink, we, <laughs> it's not really the goal. So, focusing on the effectiveness of the training and sometimes when I have to disagree, I'll say, well, I'm not sure that's an effective communication strategy. And i am now prefaced it with, I'm not sure. Maybe I should say that is not an effective, I don't know. What do you guys think? If say that is not effective, is that cutting them off or still leaving it open and saying that may not be the most effective method to communicate this thought, idea, concept?
5: maybe another example would be more fitting to the situation you can frame it that way instead of saying mm. them it's oh i like right. that it could be that whole yes and approach
0: right? right and so our our jump back is to say well i'm not sure about the effectiveness of that and then again that's putting us on the back foot whereas we can say well yes and how about this? You know, XYZ. So rather than, as you said, and I think that's a great word to use, even though it's a little like tough to hear, is that subservient behaviors that we do have. And that comes directly from us being in support functions. And so if we don't want to be seen in a support function, we need to take a stronger approach. And I like what Deb said. So Deb, you said it here in the, um, in the, Yeah, it says, so your example of reframing a question, which might've been to the effect of, oh, do you mind if I sit in on our next meeting, which would be something typical that we would say, do you mind if I sit in on this meeting? Rather than that, just say, when is your next meeting? So it's not a, can I attend or can't I attend? We're already going from the assumption of we're going to be there. Now just tell me when it is. Right. And so I love that approach. It's a very salesy approach, dare I say, is that we are assuming the sale. We're assuming the yes. You know, so I love that. I love that. Should think of ourselves. So, Heather, thank you. And Heather, you've been very active in the chat. So thank you for that, too. Should think of ourselves more as a consultant going in as equals to other business units. Right. We go in with the mindset of I am equal to everyone in this room. And a lot of times when we say, you see, now y'all got me on a soapbox. So a lot of times when we say, you're the expert, I'm just here to help you organize your thoughts, but you're the expert. That's true. And no one's denying that. But when we step into a meeting by saying we are less than, where does that put us? So, how can we then again keep ourselves on that equal playing field? So let's play with that statement. So when we say in a subject at a kickoff meeting and a scoping call, you know, you're the expert, I'm just the person. Again, that word just, right? I'm just the person who organizes your thoughts. How how can we make that conversation more equal? And David here. Just a general suggestion for everyone. One thing I found helpful for myself is creating a verbal toolkit document where I write down useful stock phrases that can be pulled out for various situations. I love that. So, David, I don't know if you have the ability to unmute yourself and talk to us a little bit more about that because I would love to hear more about that.
7: It's of It came about when, when I was in social services, and there would a lot of times be like really difficult conversations where if you're if you're not used to it, you can get blindsided when people start talking about all kinds of things going on in the home. It was helpful for me to have a few things that I could pull out so that I was less likely to get flat footed. But like one one really good example is um, tell me what you want to know by the end of this meeting. I found really useful because then when you had somebody who who tended to, like, they would always, they'd build up a head of steam as the conversation would get going, and they'd just always get more and more agitated, and they'd get off on all kinds of different topics. And if you say, tell me what you want to know by the end of the meeting, then, one, then you know what they want to know, but also it gave them a little bit of sense of control over the interaction, which mattered in in that context when it was like, I'm the government employee and you're the person that I am communicating with equalizing that dynamic was important there. Um, but then when they did start going off on tangents, like, okay, I'd love to hear more about that, but you said you really wanted to know about these things. So let's get back to those. Like you could redirect without being offensive or that was where that came from, but just, there's so many of them in here that are good ways to start off conversations.
0: I would, If you have that in a shareable document and if you wouldn't mind sharing it, I would love to have that so we can share it with everybody, if that's okay with you. If not, then if you've got sensitive stuff on that, I completely understand. That's really handy. And I think we should keep track what worked, what didn't work. And I love your phrase here, what do you want to know? Because oftentimes we go into a meeting and we say, what's your goal? What's your goal for the meeting today? And that becomes, it's not that that's a soft term, but it's a term that can very easily get off track. And so by saying, what is it that you want to know today? That's a very definitive guardrail. And it's much easier to keep people on task because they're going to say, well, I've shifted my goal for this meeting versus well, this is what you said you wanted to know. So did that change? So if that hasn't changed, then we can keep on moving in this direction. So I, I love that statement too. Yeah, everyone's unspoken goal is to leave on time. Everyone's unspoken goal for a meeting is to not be in the meeting, I think is is pretty much the, the general. Yeah, what do you want to walk away with when our time is done? I think that's another helpful statement. So I love this. I love this whole reframing exercise that we've gotten into because I think this is the power of communication. So if you think about effective communication, effective communication is that the receiver receives the message exactly as the sender intended. So that's what makes effective communication that's the basis, right? That's the ground floor. So now what we want to do is how can we level up and make LD conversations and communications more powerful to lift us all up? And so I love what you guys are doing and how you're thinking, because it really is, let's just shift the mindset slightly. And perhaps that's an action item for us all, right? You know, on a a post-it card or a post-it note or a three-by-five card or something. Is that a wimpy question? Is that a wimpy statement? You know, just to kind of remind us of we need to shift where we put ourselves. Because we have trained businesses to put ourselves in this role. That's our bad, right? Okay. Yes, you're right, Heather. We have got an action item. And absolutely, you got this. You got this. We're not learning Rebels for nothing, right? So let's take a different approach to how we are working within. What else am I missing here in the chat? I want to be sure. Walk me through. So yes, maybe I like that. Walk me through your process. That's more of a statement than an ask. That's another reframing of the you are the expert statement. So rather than saying, oh, you're the expert, just tell them they know they're the expert. You know, they're the expert. Walk me through your process. Walk me through how this is done. Walk me through the customer journey. I like that. Right. And Mia also, I like that. You know, what do you think the problem is? You know, or what is the challenge? Clearly, there's a challenge. So if they come to you, customer service training. We need another set of customer service training. Really, do we? What's the challenge? Also, it could be helping them understand the gap, right? When we're having conversations, but not using that word gap. We know that a gap is current state versus future state. And so now what are words that can help them see that gap? So you want them to enter in leads in the salesforce.com. Why aren't they doing it then? Why aren't they doing it? You know, put it into a more of a forceful question rather than okay, so where do you think the issue starts and then we get into this whole thing. So I guess I was more fired up about this topic than I thought I was. Fairly,
1: I think we're all absorbing this. I see this as an issue. I do, Shannon, and I'm absorbing it and reflecting. This is a very reflective topic of how I'm saying things, what my my communication is. And so it's harder to come off mute because I'm that's like okay. reading the chat going, oh, that's great. Look at all my notes already, you know, this page of notes of these great things, uh, how to to frame things. So I agree. I I have used what are your pain points and what problem are we trying to solve is also, it puts us as a we that together we're in this. And then they're going to have to to say what the problem is. But I did a, a quality training last year that I was forced to do. I was the order taker. I was forced to do this year, it's so evident that it spectacularly failed. Like it, the training failed completely based on the quality issues that we have. And I told somebody the other day, do you think that they don't know how to do this? And they're like, no, they all know how to do it. My first instructional design teacher said, if you can put a gun to somebody's head and say, do this, then it's not training and they can That's do right. it, it's not training. The problem is somewhere else. Help me come up with a better way to say this. But what would be a good alternative to that? Because it's a great example.
0: It is. And I I used to use that too. So it just simply could be, if you you told them that they weren't going to get paid next week, would they be able to do this? Ah,
1: okay. Yes. Okay, that works. I can take that one.
0: So when we think about, you know, knowledge, skill, attitude, that's what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Knowledge, skill, attitude. Do they know how to do the thing? Are they able to do the thing? Do they want to do the thing? So now when we're talking to business partners about that, it does become so hone in. So I see this in here where you guys are, you know, what does success look like? How do we know we've succeeded? You know, what do your top performers do that others on your team don't do? The pain point question, all good questions. So now maybe if we rephrase those or reframe those a little bit and put them into business talk and said, well, this would impact sales. If they don't do this, they don't make sales. If they don't make sales, we don't make profit. How do we stop that from happening? If they sell the wrong product to the wrong customer, that means complaints. That might mean lawsuits. How do we keep that from happening? So again, same, same question. What's the pain point? but we're asking it in a stronger more business like manner and not saying that of course those are not the end all be all examples but giving you a foundation from which to jump from yeah thank you for that claudia i'm reading your i'm reading your chat comment here it's about i said those things are heard those communication challenges and this is helping in reframing ideas asking better questions and simply showing up presenting as a respected practitioner Yes. So when we do this and people start looking at us in a different way, they start talking to us in a different way. And there are always, don't get me wrong, people, it's, I do not have a thick set of rose-colored glasses on. There are going to be times where they say, I don't care what questions you ask me, how you ask them, or the manner in which you present them. I want you to do this. And there are times where we're going to have to do this. That's a deposit in the bank. So now we've got we've got something in our hip pocket to say, I did this for you. Now I want you to do this for me. So now we're we're building up, you know, that ledger, if you will, that will allow us to go back and say, in your case, Kelly, say, hmm, that didn't work out so well. Why do you think that is? And like you said, do you do you really think that they don't know XYZ product? Do you really think that that's that's why? No, they all know it. Well, then what's the challenge?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Why aren't they doing it then? And they just leave it at that. Why aren't they doing it? Let them fill in the blank.
1: Well, yeah. This time I said, well, I'm not creating training until you show me a root cause analysis. Like, are you going to do a root cause analysis? Because at this point you need to do one <laughs> it's yeah it's no longer it's not a training issue everyone kind of now like well they all got trained and they still are doing it so
0: so we know it's not a training issue and i would put a little um i, I would put a little caution against using words like root cause analysis think of a different way to say that because they're all going okay. as soon as you go root cause their eyeballs are going to roll back in their heads oh
1: I was talking they're about going quality go people back. So, okay, well, they understand. But (laughs) But they didn't do it last time. They just came to us and said, This is a quality issue. Do training. And I said, Well, is it really? And they said, No, you just have to do it. And so I did it. But then we're back exactly as square one one year later. And they came to me again this time and said, We need to do training. And I said, "Uh, No, I need a root cause analysis. Why aren't people doing this? They've all been trained. So there's something else happening here.
0: Yeah, I like that. I use the word discovery. Let's let's discover.
1: Oh, uh, yes, that's nice. Yes. Instead of needs analysis. <laughs> yeah, let's discover what's underpinning the issue. I love that, Shannon. <laughs> okay.
0: Oh my God. We are at the top of the hour. Holy cow. Oh my goodness. I'm gonna go have to go out and do something with. Or drink less coffee or something today, I don't know, I've got a lot of energy left over after this conversation. That did go fast. Also, the way that we are doing resources, for those of you who are unaware, have changed, so I used to send you an email with all the resources, now the resources go directly onto the Learning Rebels website. So you go to Learning Rebels and look under resources, and all of the resources will be there, and attached to that is an expiry date. So those resources are only good for the next two weeks. If you, of course, want full 24-7 access to all the Coffee Chat resources, you can join the Learning Rebels community where you have your hands on thousands of Coffee Chat resources for all of the Coffee Chats that we've had over the last three years. So there you go. So the community, Coffee Chat, learn something new. Learn something new is next week with Christy Tucker And Christy is going to be hosting her Learn Something New session about building branching scenarios using a tool called Twine. And so I am looking forward to that because I think we can all admit that we struggle writing good branching scenarios, simulation, role play exercises, etc. So she is going to be walking us through that. Next week, Wednesday, and you find the details of that. Thank you, Anne, for putting that into the chat for me, but it's also can be found on the Learning Rebels website. So, on that note, I hope you all have a great weekend planned. Thank you for joining me. I appreciate it. Thank you, everyone who is new to chat. Thank you, everyone, for hanging with us for another Learning Rebels Coffee Chat. Well, you got this far in listening to today's topic, so you know by now we were all fired up. I'll say this again in case you missed it. Many times we focus on having a seat at the table, which is great, but we're focused on the wrong table. Oftentimes we're focused on the leadership table when we should be focused on being accepted at the lunch table with the middle managers and the team supervisors, and all of the other people who are end users to our product. This means shifting the way we communicate. In our chat today, Lewis introduced us to the phrase wimpy language. And while that may seem harsh, it can be true. The language we use to communicate can either make us equals to those at the table or make us less than. And which would you rather be? I love that in the chat, everyone started reframing the wimpy language we use as L&D professionals. Words like collaboration, cooperation, team building can trigger some serious PTSD for managers who have been part of well-meaning initiatives only to be a waste of time. This means we need to reframe our conversations and perhaps it is a woman thing to soften the approach to questions. For example, if you have time, would you mind sending me some times that would be most convenient for you to meet and discuss how people can collaborate better in a project group? Does that sound familiar? Hearing this question phrased in this way, do you feel that what we are communicating is important or urgent? Probably not. Let me tell you people, we need to assume the sale. For example, let me know what time on Wednesday we can hammer out solutions to bring the project group closer together and increase its productivity. Now that's a bit more direct and urgent. I encourage you to download the chat file and take a look at the suggestions from the others on the call I guarantee an idea or two is there for you to implement. In order to be a business partner, let's admit it, we first have to act like one, we first have to talk like one. Want to join these sorts of conversations live? And you know you do, go on over to learningrebels.com, check out the events page and sign on up. And while you're there, don't forget to check out the Learning Rebels community where we continue to build on coffee chat resources. In the meantime, stay curious, be rebellious, and take over the world. Bye for now.